Ephesians, and we'll read some in chapter 3, a verse there, and maybe refer to some others. Good to see you here tonight. And uh, I don't know who's praying for this rain, but you can stop now. Man, everything around my place is flooded. I've, I've taken my grandson out multiple times a day out to my old shed. He wants to see the tractor and sit on it and drive it. I mean, he grabbed that steering wheel and then he'd drive that thing. But I have to carry him out there and carry him back in the rain and he won't be... I can't do it. <laughs> the boy's interested in tractors. <laughs> Let the boy love tractors. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end. Glory to Christ through the church. Now if you go on through chapter 1, you'll see that it repeats that phrase a number of times. And he will say glory to the Lord multiple, multiple times in the church. The church exists to bring glory to God. Now there's a number of ways where we bring glory to God. Uh, people wonder, why does the church exist anyway? Well, we're going to study a little bit about that tonight and see if we can figure it out from Scripture. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, thank you for your love to us. Thank you for placing such a great emphasis upon the church, Lord, giving us a place where we can, we can meet and fellowship and we can share our lives together as we live for you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives within us and directs us through the church to be a blessing, not just to the world, but, Lord, to glorify you. I pray that you'd bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to delve into the purpose of the church. Uh, Brother Connor, if you're watching online, you're the one that got me started here. So we're going again on the purpose of the church tonight. Now, this is not one of those feel-good messages where you're going to feel like pulling your shoes off and running around the room. Nobody's probably going to jump up and say, glory to God, I'm going to swing from the chandelier tonight. This is more of an instructional, uh, instructional type of message, and we'll look at several verses but we're talking about the purpose of the church. There are elements in the church that, that's different from other organizations, other institutions. There's specific people at a specific place meet together for a specific purpose according to God's constitution. And it's different than just having a a Bible study, you know, some people say, well, in Matthew it says where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. Well, he did say that, but it said in the context of prayer, not in the context of a church meeting. And so uh, a prayer meeting or a Bible study, those may be very good things, but they're not church. And a church is organized for the purpose under the, under the direction and instruction and leadership of God for specific purposes. And <clears throat> it's more than just just singing and getting some self-help. I mean, you can read a, you can read a, a Napoleon Hill book or Norman Vincent Peale book or uh, maybe some of the others like that are just designed for self-help. Self -help. But church is more than just preaching uplifting messages. I like an uplifting message. Sometimes I need them. Sometimes I'm discouraged or maybe I'm 
just feeling down and out about something and I need an uplifting message. And I like uplifting messages. I like encouraging messages. But that's not the only thing that God wants us to do in a church service. And so if we pick a church just to go there because, man, always feel this tingling going up and down my spine in this church or, or I always leave feeling so good or, boy, didn't he hit a home run tonight or, boy, I, I just went out there wanting to shout. Well, those may be some good things, but that's not all church is about. Some of it's about instruction. Some of it's about rebuke. Some of it's about, uh, about learning more about just how to learn to serve and praise the Lord in a way that will bring glory to him. <laughs> and it's not just merely a gathering of people but it's a divine institution. And so let's look at some of the things that makes church service a church itself. And church, we all know the church is not the building, right? Uh, this, this building is not the church. I mean, we could move back across the street where we came from into what used to be a convenience store over there. It's a little bitty store and was converted into a tanning salon. And it used to, they used to sell, uh, at one time it was for uh, uh, selling plant and garden stuff, and it's been everything under the sun. And so we rented that thing and turned it into a church 25, 30 years ago. And it wasn't designed for a church, so the building doesn't make a church, but God's people meeting together in there is the church. And so you're the church. If you're saved, you're the church. And so a church is not just a building. What is it for? Well, number one is for worship and glorification of God. Now, we read that one verse just a little while ago, but also notice in Revelation chapter 4, verse number 11. Watch this. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou thou hast created all things for thy pleasure, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And so the church is his institution. It's created for him. The church is not just a place where we go to feel good or to get some help. I think sometimes we get the feeling that, well, I'm just going to go to church where they, where they help me the most, maybe where I get uh, the most uh, positive vibes. <laughs> uh, but that's not what a church is for. A church is to primarily bring honor and glory and praise to Him. And so if we can get the emphasis off of ourselves, and on him, we're on pretty good ground to get started. It's about God. The Lord Jesus loved, bled, and died for the church. And so he comes first. And the primary purpose of the church is to worship and glorify God. Well, how do we worship? Worship is, if you'll read the word, uh, read through the word, uh, all the way from Genesis forward to the end of the Bible, you'll find out that Worship is not something where they danced and had low-colored lights and smoke machines. <laughs> worship is something when, when worship is mentioned in the Bible, almost without exception, almost every time, maybe every time, but you'll see them falling on their face in a humble spirit, in humble submission to the Lord, worshiping Him. It's not something where we go to cut up and perform antics is <laughs> something we offer to the Lord. And I surrender to Him, that song we sang, Surrender All. I surrender all. It's a place where we go. Church, when we gather together, is a place where we honor Him by saying, Lord, whatever you want out of me, I'm going to sign the blank check. 
and you take me and make me what you want me to be. You use me however you want to use me, Lord. But this is not about me, it's about you. And that's what we do at church. Now, the second thing we get out of church, and you'll like this one, fellowship and community. Now, we do like that. <clears throat> when, I'm, when I'm visiting, uh, maybe on vacation or someplace, and I go to a church where I've never been before, um, I like getting together with other people who are believers. I enjoy, I mean, you're, maybe your trip's been long. Maybe you've uh, had some <laughs> dodos on the highway to give you a rough time, you know, a little bit of minor road rage, or maybe you've been treated roughly at a truck stop or something, and, or maybe you're just, uh, just weary from traveling, and you go into a church on vacation, and you don't know any of those people there, but you've got something in common. You love him, and you believe his word, and you follow the faith. And you may have a different accent. You may have different clothing. You may have different destinations, but you've got something in common, the Lord Jesus, and salvation, a common salvation by his blood. And you, you're there, but you have instant fellowship with those people. I remember stopping in Goodland, Kansas one time, my wife and I, and Aaron was a baby. We stopped, you know, that Goodland, Kansas, just, just before you get to the North Pole. <laughs> it seems like, man, it's, it gets cold and windy out there and lots of snow. And uh, so we stopped at Goodland, Kansas to go, to go to church. There was a little church. I mean, it was, it was smaller than the crowd that's here tonight and just a few believers there. And we just went in and we had a good time with those folks and worshiped the Lord together and one family, one sweet family, they just just poor folks. And, and uh, they said, uh, y'all going to have a long ways to go probably. This is back before they had motels and hotels everywhere along the highway. And they said, uh, you folks may have a hard time finding a room this late. Won't you just go home with us and stay with us? And they didn't know us. We could have been serial killers. <laughs> but they, Well, my wife is, but I'm not. And <laughs> so they invited us home with them, fed us... Fed us supper, fed us breakfast the next morning, wished us well, and waved goodbye to us as we left. Well, we didn't know each other, but we knew Christ together. And so in church, you have a fellowship, a communion with other believers, and that's a good thing. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, when the church is first getting kicked off there after the day of Pentecost, <coughs> it says in verse 42, and they, th those who had believed on Christ, those who were forming that very first church, it says, and they continued steadfastly, in the apostles' doctrine, and in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. They did some things together. They fellowshiped together. I love it when uh, church is dismissed, and you'll see people standing around, maybe a group over here talking, maybe a group over there talking, and a group in the sound booth laying down taking a nap. And <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> and then you'll see, you maybe see a, a group out in the uh, hallway, and they're just standing around talking, you know, and and just having a good time. Some people are talking about the Lord. Some are talking about the weather. Some are talking about uh, hot rod cars. I'm in that group. And so uh, we're, just, we're just fellowshipping. Because we have something in common. We feel comfortable together. We're believers. And we have a common Savior. And we have a common reason to be together. It says that they, they continued steadfastly. I like that part too. Steadfastly. You know, if, if everybody was steadfast about church... Boy, wouldn't we have a house full if everybody's just steadfast? I say, man, I'm not missing it. Uh, sometimes it rains and people don't come because they don't know we've got a roof on the building. 
And wouldn't it be great if everybody just came, whether it's snowing or raining or hot or whatever? I mean, we, we've got air conditioning and we've got heat, even got padded chairs to sit on. Woo-wee. Those, those, uh, those believers on Pentecost, man, they're, they're sitting out there and uh, they probably don't have anything, maybe a shade tree. I don't know. But I know they didn't have church houses at that time because they were just getting started. Nobody had time to build a church house yet. And they didn't for a long time. They just met in each other's houses uh, as a group. And they'd praise the Lord and worship the Lord and study the Bible together. And they just had church. It wasn't for quite some time that they started building church buildings. Now, I'm glad we've got one. And, and sometimes a new church today gets started and they'll go and start that new church in, in a house somewhere. And that's okay. I don't care for the movement that's trying to take us out of the church building to go back to a house. I mean, if you're starting a house until you have a building, that's great. But we ought not to disorganize what's been organized. Some people say, I don't, I don't believe in organized religion. And I always say, well, what do you believe in? Disorganized religion? <laughs> well, I mean, we've made a few maybe a few progresses along the way since Pentecost. Not, not that we should believe uh, the Bible differently or replace the Bible or, or the way that they got it all set up in that original church, but we have come a ways. I mean, I, I'm glad to have padded, padded chairs and, and uh, comfort of heat and cool and such as that, electric lights. Man, I preached by candlelight before, and I'm telling you, it'll put a strain on your eyeballs. And so thank God for electric lights. They didn't have them on Pentecost, but they still met together. And so moving forward, we've got a little more organized maybe down through the centuries. And as long as we don't turn against the Bible and become anti-Bible, we're, we're okay. There's a th- third thing we'll notice about the church is that it ought to have teaching and discipleship. Now look, I'm all for preaching that's encouraging, as I said before. I'm for preaching that's excited. I'm glad when a preacher's got enough passion that he's going he's gonna to put himself into it. I'm glad for all that. But let me tell you, the, the kind of preaching that, that's going to help people the most is not just to get people emotionally stirred. The kind of preaching that's going to help people the most is when we get into the Word of God and share the Word of God with people so that they can grow and be edified. In, uh, in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, He says, go ye therefore in the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Do what? Teach all nations. He didn't say go and have a good time and hire a cheerleader to get you all pumped up. He said teach all nations. Now, if if a preacher gets a little excited once in a while and he's having a good time, that's good. If, if, If the Spirit touches your heart, great. But it's not a substitute. Emotionalism is not a substitute for the preaching and teaching of the plain Word of God. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them, there's a word appears a second time, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now let me ask you a question. How can we observe all the things that Jesus commanded if we don't teach his book? So we have to have some instructional teaching as well as the excitement. I think, as the old Indian chief said back years ago, uh, he went to uh, he went to church one time, first time he ever went to church, and, and uh, the preacher was one of the real emotional 
preacher like an Alabama windsucker, you know. I mean, he's going, and the Lord said, and boy, he's really getting with it. And after church was over, this guy said, well, Chief, how'd you like the preaching? Chief said, all thunder, no rain. <laughs> well, I think a lot of preaching is that way. A lot of thunder, not much substance. And so there ought to be teaching and discipleship. What's discipleship? Well, if discipleship is lined up with the teaching, it means the teaching is going to cause us to grow closer to the Lord because we're supposed to glorify Him. And it's going to cause us, to, as we walk with Him, to do those things that He commanded to be observed and do those things that's going to bring honor and glory to Him, to do those things that's going to strengthen the church. The church is more than facilities and bank accounts. It's doing things that pleases God. Discipleship. We're commissioned to go and make disciples, to baptize them, and then teach them to grow closer to the Lord, to be a Christian, to be a real Christian. There are people that drift in and out of church over the decades and they either went to a place where they didn't get much teaching, instruction, strengthening, edification, <coughs> or they just didn't care, one of the two, because they drift in, drift out. It ought to be that when we get into church and we hear some things that, that's real from the Word of God and it touches our heart, it ought to cause us to be different, different than we were when we first got saved. Well, there's another thing about church, evangelism and outreach. Well, in the Great Commission we read just a little while ago, he's talking about making converts in all nations. Well, let's, let's read Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. The church is not an exclusive club where we gather us four and no more. The church is to be reaching out, reaching people with the soul-saving gospel of Jesus Christ that's evangelism. Some refer to it as soul winning and witnessing. But as we witness to people about the shed blood of Jesus Christ, shed in our, on our behalf so we could be saved, as we get that good news out and people get saved, they ought to be coming in. I, I'm a little leery of some of the churches that I have read behind and... and uh, watched over the years they'll win 500 souls a week to the Lord according to their figures in their soul winning efforts and yet their congregation has grown hardly any and I'm wondering if those people are really getting saved why are they not getting baptized why are they not getting in church now I'd love to have a bigger congregation than what we have but that's not how God measures the success of a church he measures the success of the church. If the message is real and it changes the heart for sure of the person that the message reached. When someone realizes that they're lost, I didn't know. Well, I knew I was lost years ago before I got saved. I knew I was lost, but I just didn't really care. And I had to get under the preaching of the Word of God. And once the Word of God was pounded into my heart by the Holy Spirit of God, I understood then I really was lost and heaven was not going to be my home. 
And when I turned to Christ for salvation that day, something changed in me. I am not the same person I used to be. Oh, heaven knows I'm not what I ought to be. I'm a long ways from that. Perfection is not on my bucket list in this life. It will be when I get to heaven. But we're all redeemed sinners. And because we have the fleshly nature, we're still going to make mistakes. We're still going to fall, fall and fall short. We're still going to sin. We don't plan it. We don't want to. We, we try to avoid sin, but it's going to happen because we have a fleshly nature. But when it does, thank God He's willing to forgive us and to welcome us back with open arms. But if someone's life doesn't change when they get saved, it makes me wonder, did they really get saved? Now, I know nobody else, I'm not perfect and nobody else is going to be perfect, but there ought to be some sort of change. Jesus said, by their fruits shall you know them. And in 1 Corinthians it says that when we trust Christ as Savior, behold, we become a brand new creature, a new creature. And so if getting saved means becoming something new, there ought to be some changes, some things that we lay aside, and there ought to be some things that we acquire. Evangelism and outreach. Now, evangelism... I want to separate these two just a little bit. Evangelism is when we tell somebody the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The gospel is telling someone how Jesus died in their place on the cross, how they're a sinner, and if they'll believe that he died and rose again, trust him for what he did on the cross. They're saved. That's evangelism. What's outreach? Well, outreach is maybe a little broader term, and it's not necessarily just getting people saved. Sometimes a church can have an outreach where we just go out and maybe invite some people to come to church. Now, if you get a chance to witness to them, do it. But, but sometimes we'll have, uh, we'll have other things like our fall festival that we have. We have our hayride and campfire and roast hot dogs and things like that. There's people from outside our church that come to that every year. And uh, sometimes there's people who've never, never been to our church before that they'll come to that because they're interested in stuff like that. It's fun. And so that's an outreach where we're trying to get people familiarized with the church so that maybe they'll like it enough to come and hear uh, uh, and get involved in a service and hear the gospel and get saved. So evangelism is getting right down to the nitty-gritty of showing somebody how to be saved. And I was visiting yesterday some a lady and I knew I had one shot at her, so I, I asked her about her salvation. She told me she had been saved as a girl. She was out of church, but she said, I'm looking for a church. I know I need to get back in. And, and it was obvious that she had been out of church. Now, I don't know if she'll ever come or not, but at least I found out her testimony is that she's saved. So that was the evangelism part of it. But then I asked her, I said, would you come and visit our church? I said, I think you'll like it. And she said, yeah, I'll come. I said, now, really? Do you mean that? You'll really come? She said, yeah, yeah, I will. <laughs> well, now, she may not ever come, but there was some evangelism and some outreach there, all in the same thing. So there is a difference. Church does that. If a church is not evangelistic, it's not doing the full job that Christ put it here to do.
Then there's ministry and service. 1 Peter 4.10, As every man receiveth the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Every person, every person in the local church is called to minister. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's called to stand behind a podium and declare the word of God publicly. God, I think God issues a specific call to call somebody to preach. I believe that. But every member, every person in the church is to be a minister. A minister is just another word for servant. Someone who it says there that we to minister to each other, uh, one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So if, if we're to minister to each other, what does that mean we do? Uh, we do something different than, I mean, you can go to Walmart and have fellowship and talk to people. Uh, you, can, you can go to the grocery store and have fellowship and talk to people. But a church is different because we minister to one another. If, if somebody's got a prayer need like Monique had this morning, we had people praying for Monique. If, if somebody's discouraged and down and out, maybe having a tough time, uh, our job is to minister to them and try to help them to find their way back to a joyful relationship with Christ. We minister one to the other. If somebody, if somebody has financial needs, now being a small church, we're not able to do maybe what some churches can do. But I, I think if somebody within our membership had a, a desperate financial need, an immediate need, an urgent need, and had no way of meeting it, I, I suspect there'd be some people who want to come together and try to help that person, minister to each other. And if, if there's somebody doing a particular church ministry, like, like Children's Church, uh, Rod and Elise, you were both back there this morning, weren't you? They were, they, Aaron and Erica's backslidden, and they're not here. And, <laughs> and so Rod and Elise filled in for them back in junior church. They were ministering not only to those kids back there in junior church, they were ministering one to another for Aaron and Erica, and, and so were these song, the song leader and pianist. They were ministering not only to the crowd, but to the other servants who were out of pocket. So we minister one to the other and help one another out. Uh, while, while I'm talking about that, I've got a I've got a field that I need to plow up this spring for my garden. I need some guys to come and pull the plow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I gave up gardening a long time ago. I'm good at poking seeds into the ground, and the, the plants come up, and then uh, they die because <laughs> I don't keep the weeds chopped down. <laughs> Evangelism and outreach, ministry and service, everybody in a local church can have some sort of ministry. Uh, there is a place. We have a nursery where people can work in the nursery. We have junior church. We have uh, Wednesday night master club. We have Wednesday night teen uh, class. We have, uh, we have some guys that rotate out preaching different times in and, and Sunday school and teaching those things. And so we have people rotating around doing things. And so we minister. Everybody can minister. So what if somebody is a member and man, they're just not capable of teaching or preaching publicly and they can't sing and, and uh, maybe, they're, maybe they're not able, physically able to do what some of the others do. Well, I'm always glad to say that one of the greatest ministries is the ministry of prayer. And nobody who has a mind left is beyond the ministry 
of prayer. If you're bedfast, can't move, you're quadriplegic, you can still pray. And that is a ministry, the prayer ministry. Brother Chad and his crew works uh, the ministry over at the nursing home. And those folks love it when they come over there. That's a ministry. And some of those folks over at the nursing home probably, they probably couldn't do anything much in the work of the Lord, but they pray. And they can be a blessing. I'll tell you what, as a pastor, I'm glad that people pray for me. I need it. And when you pray for me, I, I tell people, if you don't like my preaching, pray for me. Maybe it'll get better. <laughs> so we pray. And then church also exists for unity and edification. It's something that brings us together, knits us together. And a verse that we can read for that would be in Acts 2.42 that we read. No, wait, I'm sorry. Ephesians 4.11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets. He's talking about gave some, of the, some churches. He gave some uh, apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He gave gifted people to the church. Every church has gifted people within its membership. Gifted people. They've been gifted by the Spirit of God the moment they got saved to do certain things. And why are they gifted and why are those gifted people given to a, a church? Well, the verse goes on and says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. For the edifying, what does edifying mean? It means to build up. Uh, we're, to, we're to be building each other up in the church. And what's some things that tear people down? Well, gossip would be one. Uh, criticism would be another. What else? Well, do you know, I think it's probably edifying when when people come to church and they see others there, they say, oh, well, I'm not alone. <laughs> Somebody else is here. I know from a pastor's standpoint, if I come in and the room is just full, I'm thinking, wow, I think the Lord must be planning on doing something here. He's got all these people together, and I'm pretty excited about it. It builds me up. It edifies me. Another, another way people get edified is by teaching and learning the Word of God. When you first get saved, you don't know everything there is to know. In fact, you don't know much of anything there is to know. And I've been doing this for over 40 years, and I'm, I'm beginning to learn a little now. And, and I'm hoping I live long enough to learn more. The church for edification and unity, it brings us together. You don't want to suffer alone. You don't want to rejoice in your victories alone. And so together as a church, when somebody has a victory, we can all applaud and say, praise the Lord together. Good for you. Or if somebody's weeping over the loss of a loved one or some other kind of loss, we can get together. We, we can put an arm around them and say, you know, I care about you. And I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And that brings us together in unity. The church exists for more than just a club. And it's more than just a prayer meeting. 
It's more than just a Bible study. I mean, you can go to parachurch uh, events and they might have a spiritual emphasis and you might learn some things. Aaron and Erica went to a a marriage uh, conference up in Branson and on their way back now. And uh, you can get some good things. Maybe something would would help them and some of the others who were there will help them to enrich their marriage. And that's great. But it's not a church. This is a church. And it exists for a whole different purpose. I mean, you're, you, you go to church, it's a place where you serve together. It's a place where you live together. a place where you love together. You weep together. You, you laugh together. You give offerings for the Lord's work together. And you teach and help and strengthen and edify each other together. You know, I'm surprised at the number of people that, that think church is nothing more than just a social organization like the civic clubs and things like that. It's more. Uh, some people think the church exists to help poor people. And boy, with, uh, with a little church like ours, with finances not being as plentiful as they are in some of the nonprofit organizations, we'd be in big trouble. If we were only called to help poor people, we'd run out of money pretty quick. But I, I, I've had people to come by before and want to borrow money or get a gift of money or give them some kind of cash. And it was like if I wasn't able to help them, sometimes they would say, well, like, well what is this church for? If you're not going to give me money, why, why do you exist? <laughs> Kind of like the, I heard the story about the uh, the young couple, the man and his wife, and and he's laying on the couch eating potato chips and drinking a pop, and the kids are running around the house, running around the room, and the wife comes and sits down beside him on the couch, and she says, "I'm uh, I'm so ashamed." Uh, he said, "What are you ashamed about?" She said, "I'm ashamed and and hurt for my family." She said, "My mother pays our rent." Uh, my aunt buys our groceries, and my dad bought us the car, and I, I just really feel ashamed. He said, well, you ought to feel ashamed. That stinking brother of yours never give us anything. <laughs> Some people feel that way about the church, you know. Church didn't give me any money, so why do they exist? Well, we exist to glorify God, and we can glorify Him by winning people to Christ, discipling them, bringing them together into the church, living a life that is exemplary, a changed life that would cause others to want to come to Christ. We exist for a whole different purpose than any other institution, and it is the church that Christ died for. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd bless us as a church. Lord, help us to do our level best to fulfill our duty to glorify you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for having Jesus uh, sacrifice his own life on the cross of Calvary for our salvation. Lord, thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to live within our hearts to give us wisdom and to guide us into daily decisions and to encourage us when we're down. And Lord, to rebuke us when we're wrong. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us as a church, help us to draw together closer than ever before in these last days as we get closer to the coming of Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us with a great love that overlooks faults, and a great love that is willing to sacrifice for each other. Lord, a, an attitude that you come first, Lord, in all of our lives, that we put you at the top of the list. Lord, we love you. 
Thank you for loving us.